0: Chapter 5 of Betty Baird's Ventures by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 5 Lois Bird's coming. Mother, mother, here is a letter from Lois cried Betty joyously bursting into her father's study and waving a dainty envelope aloft in triumph. Lois is coming, coming. I can hardly believe it why i thought lois was going to capri with her father said mrs baird looking for more information but betty was bending over the long letter completely absorbed listen to this she cried father is going to make a long journey to the east egypt and other places with a party of friends his doctor thinks it will help him oh that it would and he is now writing to your mother to ask if i may stay with you such an if as if we aren't simply wild to have her aren't we mother father dr baird glancing up from his paper smiled amusedly at the idea of there being any question about having lois betty's dearest friend i shall be delighted to have lois mrs baird answered her i love her and i know how happy you two are together won't we three girls carissima have a lovely time out here said betty kissing her mother rapturously and giving her a delighted bear hug your mother looks as young as either of you said dr baird indeed she does agreed betty decisively for she always refused to see the gray hairs that were sprinkling the beautiful brown and insisted they were only short faded ones gray no indeed mrs baird looking pleased but laughing away their flattery asked betty to read more of the letter you know how funny father is betty when i read him your letter he said i should tell you that capri was a very ancient not up-to-the-minute place wholly lacking the modernizing and ennobling influence of my mother's cookery journal but that he would introduce the journal as soon as you had captured its pages for then he would be sure of its having the right kind of modernity isn't mr bird ironical it is perfectly fascinating betty laughed happily over mr bird's pleasantry while continuing to read it is too good to be true that we are to be together all summer perhaps longer i take your darling mother's consent for granted for did she not adopt me in weston i wanted to take you by surprise and begged father not to write i know how you love surprises but father thought it a rather bold plan I know that i have a home always and in all circumstances with you darling old betty baird now mother i must run right upstairs and see about arranging her room she will have the room next to mine asked betty i must hurry and make it pretty betty started towards the door with her eyes traveling over the pages of the letter do sit down and finish your letter betty said her mother you haven't told us yet when lois is coming oh i forgot exclaimed betty shrugging her shoulders the joke flashing upon her why not for a week isn't that too bad not for a whole week she turned the pages impetuously here it is mr bird wants us to telegraph so that he can make arrangements immediately then before beginning with lois's room have john hitch the pony and take this telegram to the office mrs baird wrote a cordial welcome to lois betty wrinkled her pretty forehead perplexedly why didn't i think of that myself all i thought of was to make her room artistic i must learn to be more businesslike i shall write to mr bird at once said mrs baird taking up her paper a week will give us more time to make her room attractive betty so don't be disappointed yes we have so much to do won't lois love this view of the bay said betty pointing out of the window to where the dying violets and crimsons of sunset were reflected in dimmer more mysterious tints in the water perhaps her own view of the potomac is more to her taste suggested mrs baird oh i am sure of lois's tastes we always like the same things and people yes betty hesitated i think i like more people and like them harder for she is fastidious but when it comes to friends we are one i am glad of that now hurry off for it is almost dinner time yes the week did pass though betty consulted her calendar sceptically each day for time did not seem to pass as the faithful calendar asserted it did in its large red figures and new daily quotations and the day for lois's arrival actually came it was thursday and betty was up with the birds that twittered and chirped and sang away in the fir-trees in front of her room she whistled and sang softly keeping them company she put their song to words lois is coming lois is coming each tiny bird sang strange how the notes fitted the happy words every few minutes while she was dressing she peeped into lois's room how pretty it was the swiss curtains were drawn back revealing the ever-changing picture of the bay a fir tree threw waving shadows into the room not a pin was out of place lois's favorite flowers sweet peas were in a bowl on the dressing-table and above the writing-desk a little vine trailed over a picture of the pines how the hours lagged after breakfast would train-time never come oh if it should rain and lois miss the beauty of the sunset and low tide that summer everybody had come at low tide and if it were low lois would only see the tall green marsh grass beautiful to be sure in its vivid coloring and falling before the wind like the long pile of green velvet but not wonderful like the rising tide rushing through the water gates at the mill they had to pass on their way home betty ran for the tide table though she knew it would be high tide but she could not sit still anything was better than that even tormenting oneself let us go upstairs for a last peep mother betty flew up the low broad steps two at a time mrs baird following more leisurely it looks like lois already said betty glancing around the room she loves to watch the sunset and the paper is sweet with these little rosebuds and tiny fresh leaves tumbling over the white ground lois is so dainty I am glad the paper and paint are fresh, yes, and there is a splendid southerly breeze through that window, said Mrs. Baird, adjusting the already perfect curtains. It is as charming as I thought it before I knew Lois was to have it, and that's a test. I become critical when things become concrete. that's not the word, but you understand merrylegs was decked in all his splendor of new yellow harness with shining brass points and the yellow cart was dusted and polished until it shone merrylegs held his proud head high betty with a cluster of roses in her belt and her head bare looked radiant she had to wait half an hour for the train then breathless and with eager watchful eyes she scanned each traveler in the crowd pouring out on the platforms there she is there she is she exclaimed and waved her hand frantically when lois stepped out of the jostling throng and looked about her expectantly seeing the pony cart she hurried forward betty jumped down and into each other's arms they flew "'Oh, I am happy!' sighed Betty blissfully. They seated themselves in the cart, and she tapped Merrylegs lightly with her whip. "'It is so good to see you again, Betty. You haven't changed at all,' said Lois, though it might have puzzled one to say what change could have taken place in the few weeks since they graduated. "'You look taller, Lois. Perhaps it is that beautiful hat. It's awfully good to have you.' betty squeezed lois's hands and merry trotted gaily on at his own sweet will lois was not so tall as betty nor did she possess her beauty nor that magnetism which drew every one until it grew to be a joke among her friends that if a stranger wanted to ask for a street she waited until she could ask betty lois was very affectionate maidenly and withal something of a tease she had serious brown eyes arching eyebrows dark hair tastefully arranged indeed a look of well-being of having been delicately nurtured was in every graceful movement as well as in the fine skin and figure and the courteous glance her gowns bore in every line the unmistakable mark of paris and even a casual look was sufficient to note that she had travelled extensively and that money had been lavished wisely upon her it was near sunset when they reached home and the tide was high how beautiful you did n't tell me half exclaimed lois rapturously oh i am so glad you are not disappointed lois i have been trying to see the place with your eyes all the week answered betty mrs baird hearing the cart approach came out on the porch there is your mother oh mrs baird i am so glad to be here lois cried and sprang down from the cart straight into mrs baird's outstretched arms the three girls went up to lois's room the sun sinking behind the hills threw crimson rays of welcome through the small paned windows lois clasped her hands as she stood at the door gazing at the sunset i have always longed for a room where i could see the sun set behind the hills it is coming home dear said mrs baird putting her arms around the girl now let me take off this hat and veil so that i can see your pretty face better the next day betty rushed to her mother mother isn't this perfectly grand mrs ellsworth has to go to a funeral and can't take dotty with her and she asked me if i would take care of her to-night and to-morrow she cried when she returned with lois after taking her father to the station it never rains but it pours i have lois and now here comes dotty mrs baird's face was full of concern i trust mrs ellsworth is not in trouble she said to her a funeral did not present the same aspect it did to betty judging from the latter's blithe words and manner i don't think it is anyone dear you know i am afraid i did n't ask but she was n't crying and craig laughed as usual which is n't much besides if it were anyone near he would n't be going clamming in his overalls betty's logic was not wholly convincing to her mother who hardly expected the poor lad to wear mourning when out clamming i must go over and see about it betty have the cart ready for your father's train if i am detained and explain the circumstances he has had a hard day so make him very comfortable i'll run upstairs and see that his study is in order the lamp's trimmed and bright and the fly there never is more than one in your rooms out I'll give his easy-chair a twist towards the sunset and his slippers a twist towards the chair place his thin coat on the back of the chair and have his letters in a row on the table and daddy will be all comfy in a minute mrs baird was putting on her bonnet and betty stood by smoothing out her gloves and seeing that the dainty bow under the chin was at the proper angle she gave the bow several farewell pats then stepped back for inspection you'll do she announced her mother laughing drew on her gloves and gave a look into the study i dislike to be away when your father comes home but i can't leave mrs ellsworth alone if she needs help your father will have a good substitute for me betty rode her mother to the ellsworth home then came swiftly back for train time was approaching a few hours later, Mrs. Baird came home, in her arms the three-year-old dot of Betty's heart, a grave brownie of a child with the dignity of an Indian idol and the sweetness and loveliness and charm of a Donatello cherub. End of chapter five. Recording by Holly Jensen.